This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Uh, There's oftentimes through our culture, there are different ideologies and thoughts that fight against our our church values and principles. And uh, tithing is one. We know the local church survives off tithes and offerings. We know that we're not obligated because we're New Testament believers, because we're New Testament believers uh, to give. It's not a commandment. We give out of a free will, out of the volition of our hearts. We give cheerfully. We tell you here that if you don't want to give, don't give. We're not trying to compel you to give because there's no benefit if you give and you don't want to give. I remember a time I was at a church and um, there was a guy preaching and he said, all the leaders stand up, give a thousand dollars. And I was like, I don't have a thousand dollars. He said, if you have a credit card, put it on your credit card. Now this time I'm standing up in front of 10,000 people and I'm like, oh my goodness, if I don't give, I'm going to look like I'm a bad leader. So I had to give that $1,000. I felt bad that I did it. I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. And I learned then that's not what God has asked us to do. That church at that point had a significant need that needed met, so they used compulsion and manipulation and coercion in order to get the church to, in a sense, make up that financial deficit. We'll never do that here. I've had that bad experience. But I also don't want to be like my cousin at his church. They never, ever have ever talked about tithes and offerings. And the congregation thinks, well, everything's okay, right? They don't have any problems. But they're struggling. They're suffering because people will not give because he's afraid to even talk about the subject. So I wanted to be in the balance. I didn't want to have a pendulum swing completely the opposite direction. I want to say this is what God's word says about giving. And I appreciate you hanging in there with us so you understand at least my theology and what the scriptures say regarding why we give, what's the purpose of giving. But today we're going to still go through the book of Hebrews. We're going to talk about another subject. Hebrews is probably one of the more significant theological uh, books in all the Bible. We don't know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. Most people assume that it's Paul. I like to believe that it's Apollos. It doesn't matter who it is. But the point of Hebrews is that God requires us by faith to trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has provided us a new covenant. And because of Jesus, we can trust in Jesus. Now, we know the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews, Jewish people. And he's trying to convince them that we have a new and better covenant, a new way into God's presence. It was a very difficult subject that the author had to, in a sense, broach because the temple at this particular time was still available. There were still people offering sacrifices to God, to Yahweh, to Jehovah. So there was this big quandary, well, if Jesus Christ is the propitiation, if Jesus Christ is the atonement, if Jesus Christ is the last sacrifice, then what is, all, what is the temple still up and running for? What's going on? How do I engage God? How do I even give into his presence? What happened was Paul lays out specifically how Jesus Christ is greater than the angels, than Aaron, than the Levitical priesthood, than the temple. He went on to explain how all things point to Jesus. And because of that, we have a new and living way to enter into God's presence. So if you can, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to talk about verses 19 through 25 very briefly. After I discuss uh, particular points of this sermon, we're going to break into small groups. Adam, who was just up here talking, is going to direct us where we need to go. 
Um, and during your small group time, you're going to hopefully break down through various questions. How can you apply these principles we're going to discuss in our own lives? Like I said, there are various ideals and ideas that combat the church, particularly the local church. And one of those ideas is you don't have to come to church. You don't have to come to church. There are people who teach that, but you don't have to come to church. You can stay home and worship God on your own. It's okay. You're still a Christian. Well, I'm going to show you here today a scripture that completely is antithetical to that premise. That God has designed the church not only to come together for edification, but even more specifically, the scriptures say plainly, in the last days, he asks us. Matter of fact, he begs us to come together more often as the day of Jesus Christ approaches. You're going to see the author even mention, look, Jesus is almost back, and before he comes back, you as a church are going to need each other more than ever. You as a church, you're going to need community. You're going to need personal edification. You're going to need it more than ever before. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, and he's going to say, like the manner of some have been doing. He says, keep going to church, keep fellowship, and keep meeting with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. This is one of the most important scriptures in the Bible. Why? Because the gospel is spelled out here explicitly. Let's jump into Hebrews. Now we're in chapter 10, and we go to verse 19, and he's basically saying, hey, since all these things are true, since Jesus Christ is the better way, since now we have access into God's presence, since we know he's the better sacrifice, since now we have eternal life, therefore... In verse 19, it reads, Brothers and sisters, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. A couple of points I want to make here. First of all, we now have a boldness to enter into the holy of holies. And remember, in the Old Testament, the holies of holies was a scary place. We don't say today, holy. That word is scary for most people. But holiness really means other, different. You couldn't in the Old Testament enter into God's presence because he was so holy. And we as humans were so sinful, it would cost us our very lives. Now the problem is that we are sinful now, but one day God is going to give us glorified bodies so that we can walk in his presence like that. And there will be no problem. But what's unique to the New Testament believer, we're told that we can go into God's presence now. And boldly. That's something that was in a sense fearful for Old Testament believers because they saw the consequences of going into God's presence. It was so scary to go into God's presence that the high priest used to have on the bottom of it, and I'll call it robe for our understanding's sake, on the bottom of his robe, he would have to have bells. Now remember, the high priest would only go into Holy of Holies once a year. And when he would go into the Holies of Holies, he would sprinkle the blood of a sacrifice on the ark at the mercy seat. So he would have to have bells on, and also they would tie a rope around his leg. And the reason they would do this, why? Because sometimes a high priest would go into God's presence and he would be defiled, ceremonially unclean. Something would have happened that, in a sense, made him in this, the state that he couldn't go into God's presence, but if he continued in God's presence, he would die. And many times the high priest would die. 
he would go into the holy of holies. So you would enter the holy place, a holier place, and then finally the holiest place. And in that place, he would go in, and if they heard the bells, and they didn't sense him moving, the robe stopped tugging, they would pull him out. Because he was not admitted, accepted into God's presence. So don't you think that would make people a little bit fearful about going into God's presence? Yes. So it goes on to say, because of Jesus' blood, we have boldness to go into God's presence. In verse 20, my Bible reads, by new and living way. This new is recent. Remember, this book was written between 50 and 70 A.D. The temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. We think Paul's epistles, most of them are written in around 50 A.D. So around this time, hey, we have a new way into God's presence. The temple is there, but now this newer way is available to us into God's presence. And we can go in this boldly. In a living way, the point there is very salient. The point is, this way leads to life. This way leads to eternal life. Remember, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the law was designed to reveal sin. No one can keep the Old Covenant. No one. It was designed to show us we need more help from God. It was designed to reveal death or separation from God. And he's like, look, this way now leads to life and life everlasting. And he inaugurated or consecrated for us this way, through the veil that is his flesh. I observe a comparison here for you Bible study people, a comparison between Jesus and the veil. Now, we don't literally enter into Jesus' flesh, but it is the way that we pass through, the medium we pass through in order to God to go into God's presence. So there's similarities there between the veil. You had to go through the veil. In order to enter God's presence, we have to go through Jesus, who is the way, in order to enter into God's presence. Now, 22, there are these three wishes here, or hopes, that Paul offers these people, the Hebrews. These are important because all these three are very important to the New Testament believer. Since we have this access to God, since we can go into his presence boldness, hey, I got three things I want you to do. And eventually we'll talk about this sermon in more detail, but not today. These are the three things he says, all equally important. Number one, in verse 22, it says, let us draw near with a true heart, sincere heart, in full assurance of faith. He said, be confident going to God's presence and have an authentic and sincere heart. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water. Man, I could talk about this forever. But have you ever sinned and you just felt shame? Not guilt, but shame. That is an evil conscience the Bible is referring to. Now what happens is if you have this shame, you're scared to go into God's presence. When you feel shame, you're like, hey, I'm not going to church today. I'm not going to pray today because you know what? I just feel ashamed. But God has done away with that. Now you have a good conscience. And God has eradicated that because of what? The cross. 
Now allow your conscience to be free from the guilt and shame of your sin because Jesus Christ died for it all. Verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Why is this important? Because the Hebrews at this time were about to be persecuted. Some of them already were leaving the faith because Jewish scholars were coming in saying, you have to be circumcised in order to be right with God. You have to continue to do Levitical practices in order to be right with God. So he had to address that. He's like, look, oh, it's okay. Jesus Christ completed it for you. So be bold, be faithful, be resolute is a better word. He said, have endurance because your faith will be tested. That endurance word is very important to me in this church because I personally believe that we're called to trust God and it's our faithfulness to God is what leads to our intimacy with him. I think a lot of people put God to the side. They say, you know what, I could do it on my own. Or you know what, I'll sin here, I'll compromise, I'll, I'll, I'll do this shortcut in order to get through this scenario. And you form these idols in your heart that you go to instead of going to God. And you have something else in the holies of holies in your own heart and not the king of glory. So stand fast, hold fast to your confession. And then this last one, verse 24. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. This is the last point. We're about to break into our groups. This is his last one he makes, the last hope or wish for them. He said, let's consider one another so that we can be persuaded to do good things, to obey God, to trust him. That happens in community, in church. And this is why I say this. Look at verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. So, what is he saying there? Look, you get together as often as possible, and when you come together, Greg will do the wave before church starts. And as he does the wave, it will encourage us to keep going for Jesus. Adam We'll wear a coat when it's super hot, and his bravery and boldness will encourage us to endure even the heat for Jesus Christ. So regardless of how difficult, our fellowship will help us stay faithful. This is the most important part. All this is designed so that you stay faithful to God. It's not designed so that you make a six-figure salary. That's not what the point of this is. Jesus Christ did not die for you to make a seven-figure salary or for you to be the president of United. All those things are great, and you may be that, and you may get that. But Jesus Christ died and has given you his spirit so that you can love him. He's given you his heart so that your heart can line up with his, and he can finally get from you what he's always wanted. Agape. All the songs we sing are designed for those people who have made a decision to be faithful to God. What we do, we, work, we go to church so that we can be faithful to God. This is not designed for you to be unfaithful or, in a sense, for self-help. 
There are a lot of other entities that already exist that could help you be successful according to the world's standards. But the church is designed to get you to be faithful to God. And coming to church consistently is part of that process. I went to a, last thing I say before, a group X class. I do, I do cycling now. Yeah, I do it. And now we have a lady instructor. And she's tough on me. She was tough. I'm still sweating from that class right now. Wow, my metabolism is going crazy. But anyway, when I'm in this group fitness class, the instructor pushes me harder than I would go by myself. Now, everybody's not like this. My wife and I had a good discussion about that. Everybody's not like this. Some people are self-motivated. But there are other people like, man, I need a personal trainer to get this done. I need a group. I need somebody to stand in front of me and say, don't give up. Because if I don't have that person saying, don't give up, I'll give up even for I, I look at the bike. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do it for an hour. Spit it for an hour. Sweat like Craig can't breathe. About to pass out. Drool. <laughs> and she goes, a half an hour ago, and I'm already drooling. About to pass out. This instructor, this class helps me. It motivates me. It lets me know what I'm doing is, number one, okay. <laughs> I'm not crazy because other people out here sweating like me. Also, you know what? I'm doing the right thing. I'm improving, and other people want to improve. It inspires me to keep moving forward. That's what church does. We're designed to help people sit here and have a desire to go further in Jesus, and they will go by themselves. We're here, and we're designed to get you to stay faithful to Jesus, to get you to fall in love with Jesus, to get you to give everything you have and a little bit more. Because sometimes, according to the Scripture, that's difficult to do by yourself. Community is essential for our faith. And the most important part for me was this, at the very end of that, as we're about to go in our groups, it says, and so much the more, meaning come together, as you see the day approaching. He's like, right, Jesus is on his way. And before he comes back, the church is going to need each other more than ever before. You know what's weird about that? Because when the church first started, they almost lived in each other's homes. They were, they were having church, the Bible says, every single day. That's how the church was when it first started. Now, can I get you today <laughs> to consider coming every single day? No. Okay, I got you. But even if you don't come every single day, understand now is the time they were talking about then. Now is the time the author of Hebrews referring to. As you see Jesus Christ approach, as his imminent return is looming, you need now more than ever to come together. Because who's going to push you to be more like Christ? Not just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let me pray. I'm going to break into our groups. Father God, thank you, Lord God, for your church. Lord God, we don't always understand it, what you want us to do, Lord God. We're confused most of the time. But we know you know all things. And your word says to do certain things specifically, Lord God. So help us today adjust our priorities and our values aligned with yours. Not, Lord God, so this church can grow, in, but, Lord God, so that we as individuals can grow into the image of Jesus Christ. We ask you to help us to do all this in the name of your precious son. Amen.
never to touch a woman's purse. So it's like Thor's hammer right now. <laughs> you are worthy. <laughs> you like that? Well, thank you uh, for attending our uh, small group Sundays. Um, we, we just don't want to be a church. We genuinely want to be a community. And it's hard, to, it's hard to make family. You can't make family. That's something God does, the Holy Spirit does. And um, my hope is over time you'll see that we have more in common than we would ever imagine. And even if you can't find something in common with a person to your right or to your left, we have Jesus Christ in common. He is our King and Lord, and we love him. Um, if you don't see somebody here today, you know, a lot of people are on vacation. I did get those calls. There's a lot of people are struggling. And because of their struggle, they didn't, they didn't come to church today. I'll be honest. There are people who decided, man, it's not worth getting out of the bed. I'm just going to go to sleep and feel better. Um, pray for those people. Um, I'm not going to call anybody's name out. We don't have a sick and shut in list. Uh, we don't put those things up yet. Uh, but nevertheless, there are people, <laughs> there are people who, who need your love and they need your care. Um, we do a great job of connecting, man. We have a, this is, this is not a fake, this is not a fake service. If you kind of like what you experience, this is kind of us. We don't, we don't make this up. We're not fabricating. Uh, we're genuinely trying to love you, uh, because Jesus Christ loved us. And, um, if you like this, this may be, um, this may be your church home. Um, if you want more uh, of this small group interaction, then see um, Thor. Oh, Adam Oberman over there. Uh, he looks like Thor, but he's not. I'm, tell- oh, I'm calling him Thor Winter Soldier. I'm calling him Thor. Um, but thank you for coming and visiting. Uh, next, next sermon series is coming up next week. What, what is it again? Working for your rewards will be the next sermon series. It is my ardent belief that heaven is the goal. And I think the problem is a lot of people don't talk enough about heaven. How, how are you going to be excited about some place you don't even know about? And then the other part is, don't you understand we are currently storing up treasures in heaven that you get? It's a one-time offer. We don't get this opportunity again. So to use a business term, don't miss out. That's a business term. Don't miss out. Some of us are going to have rewards. We're going to look at, man, Haley got all that. Oh. But this is the best thing. Um, when we do get our rewards... It doesn't matter how extravagant that reward may be. They're not going to look at us and say, man, you must have been so faithful to God. Look at all the stuff you got. Man, you were so awesome. No, no, no. That's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is this. When they look at your words, like, oh, you got all that. Man, God is so good. He gave you all that for just that little thing you did. Man, you have an awesome God, and that's the God we serve, and that's the God we're going to spend eternity with. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch, and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.